Hello, and welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. My name is David Vanderveen. I've been fortunate enough to build businesses around the world with thousands of entrepreneurs. You can find out more about me at davidvanderveen.com. But, you know, as I've traveled the world and, and had these opportunities to meet and work and, and alongside a lot of very interesting people, the question that I keep getting is, how can I create the life that I want? How can I create the brand, the behaviors, the, the culture that motivate and drive me? And so this podcast is dedicated to those questions. It's interviewing other people who are on that journey, as well as telling some of my own stories that I hope will help anyone who's wanted to start their own company, create their own brand, build their own life, figure out how to do it for themselves. The simple answer is there are no simple answers, but I think that if we work together and if we interact and if we workshop, we can figure out great ways to move forward in life and create a life worth living, a life with purpose and meaning, a life that makes us all a little bit more kick aspirational. This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. I'm Dave Vanderveen. Today, we're really fortunate to have Johnny Townsend with us. Johnny's a punter, professional football NFL punter. Uh, full disclosure, Johnny and I uh, do a little work together. Uh, Johnny works with me at uh, Nirvana Water Sciences. And uh, and Johnny, I think, is it true you and your brother are both new investors in RX3? We are, as of now. Yeah, we're now part of the RX3 team. So me and my brother, Tommy Townsend, as well. So. Yeah. Well, congratulations uh, on joining RX3 and and thank you for being a part of Nirvana. I think you predate me at Nirvana, so maybe I'm working with you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we've been around a while. We've been been around since the Stone Ages of Nirvana. So yeah, <laughs> this is Nirvana, everybody. Um, the uh, Nirvana Water Sciences is uh, it's a great product. Um, you may see it on other podcasts too, like Pete Holmes. But uh, you know, it's um, the first water soluble uh hmb beverage and hmb is a uh, well you tell me what hmb is to you johnny what's what's hmb well yes so that's the main reason why me and my brother tommy uh, joined the nirvana team way back is is because we found a product that we liked from a sports perspective you know being athletes it's hard to find functional beverages that taste good and have a use case so when we came across it we liked it as a product initially and then wanted to get behind it as investors um, but the hmb has been huge for us because you know when you're going through a six or seventh month nfl season recovery is literally everything so you know if you can find a product like hmb that helps with uh, preventing muscle degradation and helps you you know keep your hydration and and actually build muscle throughout the season it's it's easy to get behind so yeah that's great we've got a We've got a lot of great athletes um, using HMB to build their lean muscle mass and and protect it, make sure it doesn't it doesn't degrade. Um, of course, we have lots of great electrolytes in the water too. Water comes from the Adirondacks, from uh, the Tug Hill Plateau. It's a beautiful source water. We actually blow our own bottles there and uh, fill it with HMB and and vitamin D three in this case. And get your vitamin D and your HMB together. Anyway, so we're excited about Nirvana. Uh, we won't make this a, a commercial infomercial the whole time, but I thought at least disclose that so that people know that you know, we have a connection there. Um, let's talk about you, Johnny. So, you know, the Kick Aspirational podcast is really sort of came out of my my background working with uh, entrepreneurs around the world. Um, you know, we were selling excess over 60 countries and wherever we go, a lot of uh, people get excited about it. And then they'd ask me this question over and over again, how can I create a company like excess in my life. And, uh, you know, my, my thought when people would ask me that was, you know, kind of mildly interesting how technically a company starts, but more interesting is how people can actually fulfill what success means for them, how, you know, people can, uh, 
can build their life, progress in life and create the path, create the life they want rather than the life that somebody else is going to offer them. You've had a pretty interesting life. You've uh, and continue to, but you've been uh, in the in the NFL. You've been a punter um, and you and your brother both are punters, but you've been a punter for uh, since 2018. Is that about I mean, in the NFL? Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I was drafted in 2018 by the Open Raiders and uh, started my career with them. It's amazing. And, um, you know, what's what's the path? I don't know. I mean, I know I played football as a kid, um, played soccer into college. But what uh, how do you become a, a punter or a kicker? What's the what's the path to that? Did, is that something you always wanted to do? Is that something that you trained for and kind of envisioned as a child that you wanted to be a be a punter in the NFL? I don't think many people want to be a punter, to be completely honest. <laughs> Not many people go out of their way to pursue it. It just kind of happened for me and my brother. Um, we were always pretty athletic and, uh, you know, had opportunities to play other positions at the college level, but um, we had, you know, better opportunities to kick at, you know, more division one schools. So that was kind of our route and, and we took it. But, you know, when you're starting a business or pursuing an NFL career, I mean, you wish that there was a blueprint for it, right? You always wish, you know, there's steps you could follow to get there, but um, there never is. Everybody has a different path and and everybody creates their own blueprint to get to where they are. So me and Tommy both, you know, even though we're brothers and grew up training together and both went to the University of Florida, we both took drastically different routes to get there. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, And so it looks like you, so you were punting already, obviously in high school and were drafted by Ohio or were recruited by Ohio State. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So I uh, started out committing to Ohio State. Uh, coincidentally, the head coach there was Urban Meyer who I grew up watching for the Florida Gators and I grew up a Gator fan. So uh, yeah. to have him recruit me to Ohio state, it felt like I was being recruited by the Gators because they took all the staff from Florida <laughs> and took them to Ohio state. But um, luckily, you know, I came to my senses and had a change of heart and stayed close to home. And I flipped to the Gators on signing day and the rest is history. So that's awesome. And in, in when you were in college and university, uh, is it true that you had the, the long the highest average record that your average record was almost 50 yards per game? Yeah. So that, that was yeah. a cool thing about, you know, being at Florida at a time where we weren't very successful is I had a lot of punting opportunities, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of practice, a lot of practice. Um, so yeah, fortunately enough, I got to graduate from the university with um, the highest punt average in the history of the university, uh, most punt yards in the history of the university and highest punt average in SEC history at the time. And so I set pretty much every record there at UF. So um, Tommy didn't break them behind me, but you know, hopefully nobody ever does. Yeah, no, it, look, it's amazing. It's it, um, I'm just reading here on the Wikipedia that, um, that, that average, uh, stood until just this last year. Is that right? Till 2021. I mean, not, not enough for the NCAA. I think it is right. Correct. Correct. For NCAA. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, so how does the draft work? So you're punting, you're out there, you're making this happen. I, just help us, you know, if there's if there's people in the audience who want to know how you become a kicker or a punter, I mean, what does that process look like? How did you, you were playing football, I assume, in Florida in high school, and that was just a, a position that that you fell into, or what was, what was the process there? Um, I fell right into it. And the story is pretty funny, honestly. So I got to, like I said earlier, nobody ever wants to be a punter. It just kind of <laughs> happens. Uh, I got to my freshman year of high school, and I was playing quarterback at the time, and and we didn't have a kicker because nobody wanted to kick. 
Uh, so the coach said, hey, if you guys come out here and, and kick a ball, and whoever kicks it the furthest is our kicker. So me and a couple other kids volunteered, and, and I kicked one, and it happened to get a really good roll just by chance. Didn't even kick it good. It just rolled far. So he said, you know, all right, you're our punter and kicker. Uh, let's, you know, finish practice. Um, so from there, I just, you know, was kicking and going out there every day, and I became obsessed with uh, the progression of learning how to punt a football. Mm. Um, you know, the art of kicking a spiral and then the art of placing it certain areas on the field and um, learning all the different clubs that come with, you know, the bag of being a punter. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I became passionate about it. Um, and I think most of the time when you become passionate about something, it, it kind of falls on your lap first and you kind of explore it and, and figure out that you not only have the talent for it, but um, the interest in it. Um, so the passion grew and, and yeah and got to where I am today. Did, um, during that process, were you, were you playing other positions as well on the team or did they have an exclusive position for the, the kicker slash punter at that point? So at that level, they typically have, you know, a guy play different positions and kick. So I was the quarterback for the team and then also punted. So, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> That's awesome. So if I, did, if I didn't convert on third down, I had to stay back there and punt the ball away. <laughs> <laughs> you never left the field. Yeah. So I never left the field. Yeah. And, now, you started with, with Oakland. You were drafted by Oakland, and uh, you've played for a number of teams, obviously. Um, it, it says here that you also uh, you also had a, had a conversion. You did some conversion plays when you were in the NFL. You did a, 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 what's a fake punt. Is that right? I did, and I'd say that's my claim to fame as a punter because it got a lot of recognition that season. Um, you know, being a, an athlete, you know, I've always wanted to show off my athleticism through the punting position. And I had the opportunity to run a fake my rookie year with the Oakland Raiders against the Chargers and picked up 42 or 43 yards on the wow. running fake down the field. And, and I think I ran about 21 miles per hour, which was the third fastest breakaway play of the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Alvin Kamara, like somebody else. And then me like for wow. the beat on a, a running play. So wow. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It's a lot of versatility. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, I, I just, I, I'm just fascinated by the, the whole process. So when you're playing with the team and you're, you're punting, um, what's, what's the workout like? What's the, what's the process? What are you focused on? Obviously leg strength and, and a lot of things, but what are, what's, what's your workout like? How is it different from other players? How do you really become the best punter? Sure. Well, you know, football is known for, you know, it's brute and it's physicality and, uh, but punting is is the only football position besides kicking that's finesse. Um, it's like a golf swing. Um, it's all about, you know, club speed and contact. It's all about leg speed and contact. Um, so, you know, you don't have to be the strongest, uh, most physically impressive person on the field, but um, you have to have a different mentality. You know, most players, when they step on the field, they have to speed the game up and hype themselves up. And uh, punting, you want to slow the game down and you want to calm your nerves and um, you know, quiet your breath and all those different things. So it's it's a totally different approach than what a normal football player would take uh, to a game. And and how do you and your brother like compare and contrast? Like you both, uh, people talk about both of you a lot. I think because at least I do, we do here at Nirvana because you're both athletes with us. But um, how would you and your how did how did your brother fall into the same thing? Was it because he saw you kicking and punting? It was like maybe I should try that too, or or uh, was there something else behind it? Uh, not much else behind it. I was doing it first and, uh, you know, he followed the big brother and started doing it as well. But, um, that was the coolest dynamic because we got to play together at every level of the sport. Um, and punting made that possible. So we started out playing flag football together and 
then Pop Warner on the same teams, high school, same teams, uh, University of Florida, same teams. And then we even got to play in the NFL on the same team um, in the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he went down one week with COVID when I was a free agent. Uh, so the Chiefs signed me. So we were actually on the active roster together at the same time, which is just unheard of. Um, so we played at every level together. Do you, do you have to wear a wig when you when you're replacing him <laughs> so they know that, that people don't know it's a different Townsend or do you just try and separate it? That was the biggest Twitter controversy when I filled in for Kansas <laughs> City because the number I was wearing eight, he was wearing five. So it kind of looks the same from a long distance and yeah. same name on the jersey. So people thought he cut his hair and everyone was tweeting about it. And, um, so it was, it was a debacle, but it's pretty funny. That's awesome. And uh, your brother's having a great season, right? Is he having better seasons he's had? Unbelievable. Breakout year for him. I just made the Pro Bowl and just got voted to first team all pro. And um, so now hopefully he makes a Super Bowl run. So this could be the most accomplished uh, sports year of his entire life. That's <laughs> so amazing. It's been a big time. That's it's been amazing. Big time. And, uh, and, and you've been a free agent now for a few years. Are you continuing on as a free agent or are you, are you finished with the NFL? Yeah. So with how crazy the business works, I mean, you can get signed at any time. Um, there's a big relevancy aspect tied to it. Um, you know, with being drafted and, you know, playing four years in the NFL, I mean, I could get signed at any time. I mean, you know, I talk to teams actively and, and just have to stay ready. Um, so yeah, I'm still training full time and hoping for that opportunity to come around again. That's awesome. So there's still, there's, there's still, still potential and, and you could, join a team at any moment. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Tommy will need a little help in the, uh, in the pro <laughs> bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll fill in for him at the pro bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, tell, so let's talk a little bit more about, um, about what happens after a career in the NFL. Cause you know, a lot of, um, professional athletes can, you know, have one set of skills to become a professional athlete, to join a team, to be, find success in the NFL, the, you know, the NBA, different professional sports uh, associations. But then after you're done playing or when, as you're transitioning, um, you know, you, life life changes. Um, what are your plans right now for your sort of your post-career, post-football career? What are you working on right now? Sure. So, you know, I don't think fo- many people see football as a career. It's just kind of a job. I mean, because it ends. I mean, right. there's longevity to it, but there, you know, there's going to be an end to it. Um, so the coolest thing about, you know, playing in the NFL is a platform that comes with it. There's such an abundance of resources um, that they make accessible to you during your time as a current player. Um, you know, there's guys that tap into it and there's those that don't. Um, the NFL comes with an incredible network um, and an incredible reputation. So if you can, you know, buy into it and take advantage of those resources, the transition can be smooth. Um, but the hardest thing for guys is the identity crisis. I mean, you know, you start playing football at, say fourth grade and you play all the way until you're 28, 29, 30, it's all, you know, and it's all you're known for from other people. Um, they see you as an athlete. Uh, so that's the biggest thing that most guys deal with is transitioning from the game because of the identity crisis and, and finding out, you know, what your passions are outside of sports and, and finding your trajectory from there. And what are, so, and what, what are your passions outside of sports? And I, I think I know some of these things. I know you're doing a lot in philanthropy and you're, uh, you've got a, continuing education program going on right now and, and some really interesting projects, but tell us a little bit about your passions. Um, I, I like to think about it in, in three overlapping circles. What are you passionate about? What do you think you can be, you know, best in the world at or have a com- comparative advantage in? And then, you know, where people pay you money or, you know, where you exchange value is maybe a better way to say it. Where those three things intersect, you know, that's that's what um, Jim Collins calls the, the hedgehog concept, the place to focus. What are those things for you? What, where, what are your passions? What do you think your 
you have a comparative advantage at and where you can get rewarded. Where How, how do those things intersect for you post-career? Sure. Well, you know, right post, now- Post-football, yeah, I should say. Yeah, post-football, sure, yeah. Um, so I've been running a nonprofit now for five years, um, and it's truly been a passion project. Uh, primarily, I've been fundraising for pediatric oncology at Shands Hospital, which is my main beneficiary. I'm starting to branch out to benefit others as well because you know people are starting to hear about the great work we're doing, and having some other hospitals reach out to me to do some work for them. But uh, my greatest passion has been rooted in nonprofit work, and that honestly started because of football as well. I mean, football gave me the platform, uh, the name rec- recognition, and the reputation. Uh, to be able to have people be receptive to me asking uh, them to support my my mission and the causes that the foundation was supporting. So because of football, it actually gave me the opportunity to have you know a successful nonprofit and and make an impact uh, for these kids we're supporting through facility renovations. Um, so it's cool to see something that you know is not going to be around forever that will give you the opportunity to do things that will last forever. That's amazing. And so, and you've got a pretty big project coming up here in Miami, right? With uh, with pediatric oncology with kids cancer or, or kids with diabetes or I'm sorry, disabilities. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So we're starting to shift into other markets now that, you know, the, the nonprofits scaling so drastically and, and we're having so much support. And the main focus has always been um, finding ways to directly benefit the mental health of the patients we're supporting. Um, so we, that's why I like doing facility renovations so much because, you know, if a patient can come to an outpatient clinic and their parents can be comfortable in nice recliners and the patients have entertainment systems and, and their mental health is improved drastically by these, you know, external factors. Um, there's a direct correlation between that and their actual healing. So anything that we can do to help with their positive mental health is, is a win for us as a nonprofit. And, and we recognize that. So we're starting to do different things. Uh, so this, yeah, this year we're teaming up with Miami fashion week and, and hosting the first ever disability inclusive runway show. Uh, so we're going to give these patients, you know, that were born with circumstances they didn't choose an opportunity to be the center of attention and walk the runway and find their inner self-esteem and, and boost their self-confidence. And I think that will help their healing. So, yeah. And maybe sometimes too, when people don't feel like they look their best because of all these external things that are happening to them, uh, being celebrated, you know, for fashion and beauty, it's kind of a nice thing. seems like it's going to be a big hit. Yeah, and I'm not a fashion guy by any means, but but I'll tell you what, I, you can you can relate to the feeling. You know, when you put on a nice outfit and you step outside and you're feeling good in it, there's a whole different confidence element to it. Um, so, you know, if we can give the patients that platform, it's it's going to be cool. So That's exciting. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I think uh, with Nirvana, we're going to be uh, supporting you as best we can and, and uh, helping to participate in that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that comes together. It sounds exciting. Definitely. Yeah, we're going to have Nirvana all over the place in Miami. So <laughs> That's awesome. Hi, this is Dave Vanderveen, and, and this is a little ad for my one of my favorite brands, for Nirvana Water Sciences, where I happen to be the CEO. But I wanted to share with you why I became the CEO. You know, I, I didn't have to get a new job. I didn't have to come to this company. It was some a company I've been talking to for over a year before I joined them. Uh, I was absolutely enamored with their science, with HMB, uh, beta-hydroxy, beta-metabutyrate, which which amplifies protein synthesis. And, you know, I'm 54. The older I get, the more that matters because as we age, you know, as we get past 30, we start losing five to 6% of our muscle mass every year. And, you know, I'm a guy who likes to get out there, get active, have adventure. And I like to, you know, ski powder and, and with helicopters. I like to surf bigger waves. I like to free dive. I, I like to move. I like to run. I like to trail run. Um, I like to hike. And all those things require lean muscle. 
And then you're also pretty involved in, uh, so that's philanthropy. You're, you're, you're doing a fair bit of education right now too, correct? Correct. So yeah, we talked back to the resources that the NFL had to offer. They have a uh, continuing education programs. So they pay for your tuition for, for life. It's a certain amount every year. So every NFL off season, I've re-enrolled at the university of Florida to chip away at, at my master's. Um, so I'll be graduating with that in about a month or so. And, and I actually had the opportunity to enroll in Harvard business school and um, crossover into business program, which is a program specifically for um, graduate professional athletes from all over the globe. So it's a very select and um, competitive process to get into the program. But, um, you know, I get to sit in classes at Harvard Business School, take their curriculum and um, use their case method to develop, develop my business acumen. So it's a pretty special opportunity. That sounds like a really great one. And uh, and the, the network that you're creating through that sounds like it's a lot of fun too. other professional athletes interested in business and getting their executive MBA at Harvard. That sounds like a like a trifecta of awesome. Sounds sounds cool. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really cool network. I mean, just getting the opportunity to sit in a class with Harvard Business School students that, you know, have already, they're 27, 28-year-old kids that have, you know, exited tech companies for, you know, $100 million. And you have all these people that are so accomplished that still want to come back and be a part of the Harvard brand. So it's it's a unique and powerful network that, you know, definitely going to tap into. That's fantastic. And then on the business front, you're doing, I know you and your brother are doing some investing together. Um I don't know if you do it a part as well. What, what are you doing on the investing and business front? Uh, so, you know, the biggest thing that we've done the last couple of years is um, just kind of develop a financial literacy um, because, you know, when you're going through college and stuff, you don't really get the opportunity to learn, um, you know, the important pieces of business. Um, and when, you know, when you're playing in the NFL, you come into a lot of money really quick and, and you want to be smart with it. So although we are participating in certain investments, we're, we're really trying to take a slow approach and just kind of learn um, the right approach and figure out what we should do and when. And, and luckily we have a lot of people in our corner that you know, are really guiding us in good directions. Do you have a, a financial planner or financial team that you work with to help you with that education and make sure you, you, know, you invest wisely? Um, a lot of it's just kind of on our own. Um, and a lot of the learning that we have done has been through involvement in investments. Um, and, you know, the first project that we got really excited about and got motivated to even, you know, participate in was Nirvana uh, mm-hmm. because it had, you know, such a unique use case and um, the product was awesome and, and we think it's a home run and, and a winner. So, yeah, we're behind it. That's awesome. How did you, how did you come to uh, f- find Nirvana and find RX3? Um, actually through a buddy of mine, uh, James Luthart. Um, I've known him for a long time and I met him my rookie year in the NFL and we've become great friends. Um, and, and he brought the opportunity to us and presented it to us and, uh, we couldn't turn it down. So. Right. How did you guys meet? Uh, it was just a strange coincidence. Honestly, he was buddies with, um, one of my teammates at the Oakland Raiders. Um, it was, um, so it was a guy named Zach Paul, um, who wasn't with the Raiders, but Zach Paul's roommate was, and James flew out with Zach to visit him and, and we just I, all kind of met up for dinner coincidentally. Um, so just kind of a weird uh, web of connections that brought us together. Interesting. Yeah, James is a, is a, is a great guy. He's, um, he's a big advocate for two things I'm involved in. I finally got to meet him in London at the Packers-Giants game last, last year, but uh, last fall. But he's, uh, yeah, he's been a big supporter of a lot of the projects that I happen to be in too. And, and uh, neither one of us really knew each other until recently. So it's, it's nice to actually get to meet him. Um, yeah. 
So, so what, what's your plan, you know, when you're thinking post-career you think, or post-NFL, um, obviously you got these three big areas that you're kind of investments and business, uh, your passions with, um, you know, with, with philanthropy, where does this take you? What's your, what's your plan for the next five, 10 years? I think, you know, the journey is the destination in, in terms of that one. <laughs> I think I'm in such, you know, an exploratory phase in my life where, you know, I've had the opportunity to build a lot of great relationships and, and develop a lot of skills that, um, you know, people would assign a value to. Um, so I'm excited to just really explore those and see what, you know, all of that, you know, will create in terms of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about the work you're doing with us right now. We're just starting a, a really interesting project where you're helping us with other athletes that we're working with. You're working with their social media team, digital team. Um, you're helping us open some new accounts. Potentially there's just a lot of areas to explore. And, uh, you know, I think we've given you plenty of places to, to show us what you can do. It'll be fun to see where it, where it all connects. Yeah. I'm excited as well. I'm excited to be an official part of the team and, and it actually help grow and scale, you know, this brand. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm actually curious about how your path, you know, brought you here. I mean, you know, when you graduated from college, I'm sure you had a ton of opportunities and, <laughs> and, you know, just, you could have gone in any different direction on this journey. So what do you think brought you to, you know, the entrepreneurial route? And, and, um, because for me personally, I mean, I've always valued stability and consistency and, and with the entrepreneurial route, I mean, you never know which direction you're going to be sent in at any time. So, yeah, I mean, I, to me, you know, um, look, I, I graduated college with a philosophy degree and a political science degree. And, um, I, I did work for a congressman. I worked in a couple of think tanks, um, which is related to my, you know, my degrees, but, you know, to go further, you really have to get additional, um, you, you have to get a master's and a PhD if you're going to stay in think tanks or, or stay in administration. Um, if you're going to work for a congressman, you don't really need more degrees, but I didn't really want to stay in DC and do that. Um, I did work for the, the term limits movement. I ran the Western States for them, which was more entrepreneurial, did a lot of ballot initiatives, passed laws in 23 States. But the, um, you know, f for me, it came down to, you know, as a young person, I, I had always been a bit of an entrepreneur kind of, having little businesses, you know, growing up and then into, into college, I had a, a jewelry business and was always doing something, always kind of, you know, figuring out what people needed that they couldn't find that where I could make some quick money and, um, some things legal, some things less legal, but the, uh, but I think for me, it, it, um, you know, it, what I loved was um, I loved sales. I loved talking to, and it wasn't so much selling people things. It was much, it was a lot more about just meeting people, figuring out what they, what they needed, what they wanted, and then helping them get it. Um, you know, I, I ran uh, a few surf and sport companies and, and ski shops on the, in the Midwest when I was in college, late, late high school and college started out in sales, ended up running three of them. And, uh, you know, the first thing I noticed was that when somebody walks in the store, the worst question you can ask is, can I help you? You know, because if somebody says, can I help you? The first, everyone just be like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm just looking It's every time. Right. And so what I figured out was if you just ask somebody, you know, they'd come in and you'd ask them a question, you'd say, oh man, it's sunny outside today, or man, it's really raining today. Or, you know, what's happening? Where, where are you coming from? I would just get into a conversation and a rhythm 
or if you know if somebody was in the tennis section, I'd walk over and say, "Andy, are you watching the U.S. Open right now, or whatever the latest you know tennis uh, thing that was on?" And just get them talk. Who's your favorite player? What racket are you playing with? You know, you just get into a conversation, and pretty soon they'd tell you why they came in the store, and then you could help them find and 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 buy whatever they needed. But at that point, you weren't selling them something; you were just helping them find what they what they wanted. Um, and that process kind of led me into more marketing roles. You know, trying to think about it on a more macro basis, and uh, I ended up at a beverage alcohol. I ended up doing marketing for a beverage alcohol company in, in the Napa Valley. Um, ended up running the business side of, of that uh, for a few years, and um, you know, found some success there, and then moved more and more into tech. Uh, did uh, help to help some companies build the service arms, their consulting arms. Sold, you kind of did a couple ac- uh, exits there, and then. Uh, helped launch a fairly large dot com in the late nineties, nonstop net. Um, and there I owned, I bought, a, I was a head of sales and marketing, bought a Red Bull distributorship because we were sort of the plumbing of the internet. We were managing internet data centers and um, built a two story trade show booth for like Comdex and things with a, with a Red Bull bar. And one of the things that we noticed was, cause I, you know, I was saying like, no one's coming to Comdex to talk about plumbing. They're coming to Comdex to see what's hot and new. And so, you know, on the second day of Vegas, everybody needs a Red Bull, right? Everyone's hungover, tired. And so we got a lot, and it was this was when, you know, late 90s when Red Bull was really popular or kind of an emerging brand. So yeah. everybody would come to our booth and we'd have conversations and you'd find out why people were there and you'd sift through the humanity to find the people that might want to talk to you about hosting <laughs> services. And, um, you know, the dot-coms melted down. I took a job as a CTO in, in Seattle for uh, for a year or two. And um, was kind of looking for other opportunities, wanted to get out of tech and found this nutrition company down in Southern California called Logic Nutrition that, you know, was all about the science, leading with science um, and nobody cared. And uh, so I helped their CEO change their website, get their sales up. And when I was looking at their portfolio, you know, it was like tablets, bars, powders. I was like, you guys need something different. You know, if I walk into a sports store, if I look in at the wall of bars in in a Whole Foods, it's pretty hard to pick out, unless you know one, it's pretty hard to pick out somebody new. And I was saying, you know, you really need something in your portfolio to stand out. Have you thought about energy drinks? And um, we we worked together as a team there and formulated what became excess energy drinks. And, um, you know, we, we were looking for those gaps in the customer experience. So we were looking at, you know, taste of a Red Bull probably isn't everybody's favorite the first time they drink it. Um, you know, the sugar content's really high. So you've got a lot of calories from sugar, which not everybody wants. And then there was this crash and you get this lift off, but there was this crash on the backside of it from the sugar and, and the caffeine. And so, you know, what I was saying to them is we noticed when we were giving it away that there's a point where people just didn't want another Red Bull. Yeah. Said, what if we made something different? You know, I don't want to go compete with Red Bull. They're doing a great job in their brand and business. How do we do something different and attract people to the space? Cause it's growing so fast. And so we became the first sugar-free energy drink, the first ones to do flavors, the first ones to actually taste great. That's why we didn't call it diet because if you call it diet, it means it tastes like crap. And then um, we were the first ones to use a mega dose of B vitamins, you know, 5,000% of the US RDA B12. And so that gave you just this longer, you know, five-hour energy copy that later, but, uh, or did something similar later, I should say, but, you know, it just gave you that long glide path, that long lift, and it was a great experience. Yeah. Um, People could pick flavors when they tried one. The next question was, you know, how do I get more of this? Where does it come from? This tastes great. Uh, and when somebody tells you it tastes great, you've already won. So it was, that was kind of the, the path and the process. 
We looked for some alternative routes of distribution to kind of disrupt distribution, found a partnership with Amway, a big direct selling company. And, uh, you know, we built a company that today does half a billion dollars a year, almost half a billion dollars a year. So Amway owns it now. They bought it from us, but I ran it for them for a few years after we sold it and, you know, got to see the world with them. It was a lot of fun, great people. And, um, and that sort of led me to, you know, to what, where I am now, where um, post Amway, I, I got more and more involved in private equity. You know, it was, I think I was the first investor in RX3, the first non oh, really? <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers, Byron Rother, or Nate Robbie. Uh, Aaron asked, asked Sarah and I to invest. And, uh, and you know, we really like Aaron and, and, and met Byron and Nate and saw the whole plan and, you know, just made a ton of sense. But um, yeah, you know, that kind of led me to a path where post ownership, where I kind of only kind of work now where I have equity or a significant investment. And I've done that for the last few years at a couple different companies. So excited about uh, where we are today, but that's sort of my path. It's, it's been, you know, I really enjoy solving, solving problems, um, trying to understand, you know, how we take, for example, the science of Nirvana, which is amazing, but presenting in a way where people actually care and want to ask the questions that we want to answer. Um, you know, if we just get on the podcast and I start talking about science, no one's going to listen. It's going to annoy people. But if we can engage in the conversation and people get excited about maybe the taste or the flavor or the format, and then they say, well, what's this HMB? Why does that, how, why is that in here? What does that do? How do you, how do you really deliver on this muscle recovery, muscle growth you're talking about? It gives us the opportunity to share the science, you know, our partnership with Dr. Najee Boomrod at Vanderbilt University Medical Center and all the research. Um, so those are those are the things that drive me. Long answer to a short question, but uh, I think for me, it's it's um, you know it's always kind of discovering something new and solving a problem that uh, you know or a challenge that that uh, that presents itself that keeps life interesting, that keeps us progressing, and uh, a lot of failure on those roads, but also it's where you find success. That makes it yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, when you're trying to scale, you know, something like Nirvana, I mean, most people would, you know, say trial and error and just try a whole bunch of different stuff and taking shots in the dark. But you have the experience to limit that error and just make, you know, calculated trials. Um, so, would you say, like, what is the biggest tactic going forward in scaling? Is it, you know, finding a, a satisfied consumer, or is it starting with a great product, or what is it? Yeah, I think a few things. I think you know, one, you know, who who, who are the actual customers? that we're solving a, a real problem for a problem that they've identified that they need to solve that only we can solve. Um, you know, when I was in the software business, we had a lot of engineers who would come up with really interesting software. And the question we'd always have to ask the engineers, especially in consulting is who's the customer for this? You know, who's going to pay for this solution? Because, you know, we can come up on this, on the solution side, we can come up with all kinds of cool solutions. Does anybody care? Um, and whenever you're telling stories, you know, whether you're selling a script for a screenplay or whether you're um, talking about a brand, um, you know, a brand is a story, right? I think the big question is, why do I care? Why does the audience care about what you have? And not why do you care? Why, why do you think the audience should care? But why does the actual audience, show me five members of that audience who care about what you're talking about. And so for us, you know, when I was looking at Nirvana and, and we had all this great science and we were leading with all the great science, um, it reminded me a lot of our excess days and just, you know, figuring out that we really had to win first on an emotional connection. Um, I don't think people make rational decisions or at least not very often. I think people mostly make emotional decisions and then they rationalize them. 
Um, that's why EQ, you know, emotional quotients are so, so important. IQ is great, but if you don't have EQ, it's, you know, you, you probably be a lot harder to be successful. You'll meet people who have a lot of EQ and maybe a lower IQ and crush it. And you're like, how is that idiot winning? And it's because they understand people, right? Um, and so for us, I think when when you win on taste, you win on flavor opportunities, you win on formats, you know, whether it's shots, gummies, you know, carbonated or, or still, and you just, when people fall in love first, when they're like, wow, that tastes great. Where do I get this? What's in it? Now, now you're, you've already won. They've already told they you. It's good for you too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and well, and, it, and but yeah, now see, once they love it, that's the emotional connection. Now they're looking for reasons to believe. Now they're, now they're looking for, why should I use this? Why should right. I give that premium price? And um, it's funny, I was just, uh, I was at BevNet, which is a big beverage trade show. And, and John Fieldley is the CEO of Celsius, which is one of the hottest beverage brands in the world right now. Um, you know, uh, they're growing like crazy, but they're trading at a almost an 11X multiple revenue. I mean, huge value to, you know, everybody wants to own a piece of Celsius right now. They're a lot like excess. We started roughly the same time. Excess grew a lot faster earlier and we sold a lot earlier to Amway. But you know, very similar. You know, low sugar, helping people losing lose weight, control their control their body fat. Um, they use like EGCGs and green tea. I won't. I'm not representing their product or brand. I, you know, I just I like them. I, I love what they do. Two of our board members at Nirvana are, are also with Celsius. But I was talking with John Fieldley, and he was on stage talking about their success. And one of the things that he had said on stage was, you know, it took us a long time. You know, they they didn't have a lot of success right away. So it took us a long time to figure out nobody cares about the science till they fall in love with the product. Um, and then he and I were talking about that later and, and we were laughing about, you know, he goes, yeah, we go to these places and you guys be out there and we'd be sampling and, you know, we'd be talking about science and, and you guys would just be like having fun, getting drinks in people's hands. Um, you know, and, and, and now they're, you know, crushing it and, and have figured that out. And I think that's for Nirvana, it's a very similar path. But we've got great science and you've seen some of the new things that we're that we're working on that'll be launching in February and March. But, you know, we're doing a lot of new flavors. We're doing uh, new formats. You know, um, we're updating the brand. We're updating the flavor profiles. We're updating the formats. Um, it's a we're going to have a big new launch coming very soon. I won't let the whole cat out of the bag yet, but it's all about helping people fall in love with um, Nirvana and the super ingredients that we have. Um and then, you know, earn the opportunity, earn the questions we want to answer. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be exciting. But uh, I think that's, for me, sort of um, where those dots connect and why I'm at Nirvana today. And, and frankly, it felt a lot like the early days of Excess, you know, Logic Nutrition, when I met the team. Uh, met them almost a year ago. And um, and then I was working with ItWorks and running the non-U.S. business, living in Europe, and uh, we, we thought we were going to launch a product with ItWorks and that got kind of put on hold, but, um, you know, really fell in love with the science the products and saw the opportunity to transform this thing and do something big and bold again, which is quickly where we're headed. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Started, started, with, started with Nirvana in October. It's been, it's been a great run so far. Um, so what, uh, what's, what's, what do you, what do you, what do you, uh, what are you doing today? What's happening on Saturday? Where are you right now? Are you in Florida? So I'm in Florida currently. Um, 
I woke up to my whole family just, I actually live coincidentally next door to my parents in Orlando when, <laughs> when I'm here. Got a house next door to them. So we got a little family compound here, which is fun. Um, haven't got sick of them yet, but I woke up and they were all missing. They, their cars were gone. Nobody was home. And I found out they flew to Kansas City early this morning to go see Tommy play a uh, playoff game. Oh, wow. Uh, played the Jaguars today at 4.30 p.m. So they all just flew out of town, didn't tell me, and uh, they're in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> so Tommy's, uh, what time is it now? He's suiting up right now to get ready to head out for warm-ups. So. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So go go Chiefs. So uh, go Chiefs. Uh, I, I assume they're favorite to win that game. Is that right? They are. Yeah, they got the Jags today. And um, I'm not sure what the point spread is, but, um, yeah, they're a favorite. They're a favorite. So what do your parents think about all this? I mean, you guys grew up in Florida. You both grew up playing football, both got scholarships. Um, what did your parents think about you guys both being kickers or punters and uh, and the path you're on so far? So it's funny that um, there's been a lot of comparisons drawn between our family and the Manning family. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's Eli, um, there's Peyton, and then there's Cooper, the third Manning brother who didn't play football he just does his own thing so i actually have an older brother most people don't know about sometimes but okay uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon in philadelphia he's two years older than me and um so yeah we're the, the manning family we've got two football players and then just the wild card um but my parents are i mean they're happy i mean they you know have, have given us every opportunity su- to succeed and and you know luckily me and my brother are both in the nfl and and got an older brother it's you know in medicine so and is, is your older brother the orthopedic surgeon, the wild card? Is he, is he also named Trooper? No. Is he what? Is, is, is he oh, also named Trooper? No. Oh, his name Clay. 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 Well, that's Clay Townsend. So you guys have, you all succeeding at a, at a very high level. Orthopedic surgery is not a, not an easy thing to get into either. That's a, that's a, that's a long, long education career. Oh man. So he had a cool story, but not cool because it, it involved an injury, but his, uh, going to a senior year of high school, he tore his ACL playing football. Um, so that abruptly ended his sports career. Timing was terrible to go to college and play sports. Um, so ever since then, um, the team doctor at the University of Florida did his ACL surgery. Uh-huh. Um, so he was exposed to the whole ortho side of sports at a very early age. And he knew from that moment, he said, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. Uh-huh. I want to help you know rehabilitate athletes and I want to work in sports. Uh, so since his junior year of high school, that he knew that his path was going to be that and and he's sticking to it. He's dedicated to it. So, and is he treating a lot of professional athletes up in? You said Philly, right? Correct. So he's a Temple Hospital, and he's now working with Temple Athletics. Uh, but he's a resident ortho um, student there. So uh, once he graduates, he wants to you know work for professional or collegiate sports teams as you know a primary orthopedic surgeon for them. So wow, yeah. Because I was going to say because you guys aren't that old. Are you? What? How old are you? Twenty-seven. Uh, twenty-seven. And Tommy is he twenty-five? Twenty-five. And Clay is 29? 29. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're all like less than two years apart. It's just pretty funny. We're close in age. Yeah. All under 30. Yeah. So, the, my, my father's a head and neck specialist, went to, uh, did his residency at Johns Hopkins. And I, I think he said it was 14 years of education post college. So, yeah, it takes a while to uh, get those advanced medical degrees. But <laughs> sure does. Clay and That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, hopefully you can meet him someday. He'll be down in Miami, and I'm sure you'll meet him somewhere at Super Bowl event or something like that. So that'd be awesome. Well, Johnny, thank you for making time today for the Kick Aspirational Podcast. You know, I think we'll get back together around Fashion Week and uh, show some highlights, maybe talk about some of that because that's that's going to be exciting. But um, really excited about working with you uh, more closely. I mean, it's nice to be in RX three together, but to be able to work together on a regular basis. 
with Nirvana, with all the things we're doing with muscle recovery and anti-inflammation recovery coming soon. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. I mean, we have such a great team behind Nirvana and, and I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to work behind you and your expertise and mentorship and, and carry this thing to the promised land. So yeah, man. that's right. Yeah. Well, that's where we're headed quickly. And I'm in Florida too. I'm in Sarasota. So yeah, I see the sun shining. It looks like it. So I assumed you're in Florida somewhere. Yeah. We're, 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 uh, this, this week I'm in Florida. I'm actually going to Arizona tomorrow and then, uh, got a quick trip to Hawaii, but, um, but you know, it's one, one, one day at a time here. <laughs> we're having a lot yeah, of fun. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks a ton, Johnny. And uh, man, good luck to Tommy today against the Panthers. We're, we're going we're gonna to be cheering for the Chiefs all day today here in Sarasota. Oh, yeah. Same here in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right, David. Thank you for joining another episode of the Kick Aspirational Podcast. You know, the most important thing to remember is this is not a spectator sport. What I'm deeply interested in is hearing about your stories and answering your questions. What does your life look like? What are you trying to accomplish? What are the barriers that you're trying to break through? Because at the end of the day, the Kick Aspirational Podcast is about helping people break through barriers of their own. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to join you in your battles. And most importantly, whatever you do today, please, among all other things, be Kick Aspirational.